Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Winchester Radio. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the 15th episode of seventh season called Repo Man. Uh, before we get started, I'll just let everybody know that the guest call-in number is 347-205-9801. Uh, you can uh, always listen to us um, by yeah, boy, you know, I'm just going to start all that over again. <laughs> There's so much information. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, you know you can always find Winchester Radio's uh, podcast on iTunes. You can download us there. You can download us from blogtalkradio.com slash media boulevard. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, Winchester Bros. Our site is winchesterbros.com, and you can click on the Winchester Radio icon, which will take you to the Blog Talk Radio page where you can listen live or uh, download us. Uh, there. Finally got all that out. <laughs> it's only going to give me like four years of practice. Um, <laughs> uh, yikes, what an episode we have to talk about tonight, Repo Man. Um, I've seen this episode two full times and started again tonight for the third time, and I have been just as disturbed the third time as I was the First time I watched it, <laughs> and, um, but it was a good tra- kind of disturbing. It was it was very disturbing, and I think I was really disturbed because, you know, I I you know I watch shows like X Files, Buffy, Angel, you know, you you name it, scary stuff. Even Divine, the series, you know, horror and and scary and all that. But I think this disturbed me the most because. Jeffrey um, uh, was, in reality, a serial killer. Like, mostly we see people, when they're possessed by demons, they turn out to be, you know, mostly innocent or taken advantage of, and it's really the demon that's the evil part of them. This time, we saw a, a person, a real human, glad to be possessed, missed being possessed and was well on his way to being an evil person on his own. And I think because he was so, it was such a real kind of person and it happens, like I can't watch the show Criminal Minds because all those people are real. (laughs) Like they do real things and it's like, it's hard to be faced with the evil of humanity and I think that's why this episode just kept disturbing me even after almost three times. Opposite. I love shows like Criminal Minds is one of my favorite shows because of that whole reality of it. And so I love the idea of, you know, yeah, demons tend to catch a ride in a bunch of innocent people, but human beings aren't all innocent. Every now and then a demon's going to catch somebody that they really click with. Mm-hmm. And I loved how how messed up that idea is. I really love that. 
the reality mm-hmm. of it. Oh yeah, it was. It's like it's like a great story, but just like just the reality is like you know what? There's there's already so much evil and and terrible things happening in the world. It's like I I don't need to see it on my TV screen. <laughs> you know when it was when it's that that real. I I live in Florida and I tell you there was a line in X Files episode years ago, Aguamala. Um, if you I don't know if you guys like I know Becky does, and it, it was one of the hurricanes in Florida, and he said all the nuts roll down to Florida, and they totally do. <laughs> we seem to and, get like an extraordinary amount of crazy people. <laughs> and didn't and, Dean have Dean had a line in the second season episode, something about all the uh, crazy stuff happens in Florida. Mm-hmm. Well, I think. True. I think you did. I'm not sure. But, yeah, but I remember the line from Aguamala, too. That was another really good episode. But, you know, this this episode was very disturbing. But to me, it wasn't because of the Jeffrey thing, which I totally agree with you, that him being a serial killer and evil to begin with was very creepy. But the, the one scene in this episode that I think was probably <laughs> more disturbing than any scene in Supernatural History is that scene mm-hmm. in the library. Yes, when... Oh yeah. Sam, Sam saw all those people banging their heads on the table. That mm-hmm. was the single most disturbing scene in all of Supernatural to me. What was most it was really disturbing because it was such a shock and in such a strange place to have that happen. Because it's usually fairly quiet and, and peaceful in a, in a library. And yeah, it freaked me out because when it happened, it was like out of nowhere. Well, what was this? What was disturbing for me with that one was. When it first starts happening, you think that maybe Lucifer is having it. Like, you just have this whole thing, like, is the demon doing this? What's going on? And then you realize that this is just what Sam's head is like. Mm-hmm. And that's just so terrifying because mm-hmm. Sam, Sam walks around with these disturbing images all the time now. Yeah. Exactly. I, you know, I, only, I thought, you know, Sam was only basically seeing Lucifer and mm-hmm. talk, hearing Lucifer. I didn't, I had no idea that Sam was also seeing things like that all the time. And yeah. I mean, Lucifer, get, Lucifer giving him those images? Or do you think yeah. just... I think okay, it's just because I, thought. Sam, I think it's because Sam's brain is so cracked and that he's getting the mm-hmm. flashbacks from hell and things like that, that mm-hmm. he just, basically, he's schizophrenic. And to me, that Sam's, the, the fact that Sam's not catatonic hasn't gone catatonic, you know, by mm-hmm. this time, you know, it shows that he's a way stronger person than I am. Because if I had that stuff going on with me 24-7, I would be just zonked. Not just that he's not catatonic, he's functioning as a hunter with that. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No. And that, that I, I know it was like, it's like we probably like being somewhat, is have we become complacent a little bit, thinking because Sam's fooling us all by seeming to handle this. You know, we haven't gotten a real full glimpse into Sam's mind. I don't think we've gotten an actual total full glimpse yet. I think that's coming soon. But finally, with this episode, we got to see, like you said, what Sam has probably been dealing with almost all the time, except when he presses the scar on his hand. And now that's not going to work anymore because he's let Lucifer back in. And I was wondering if we're going to see him 
to cut himself again or ask Dean to do it so he gets that grounding wound again or something to help ground him in, which is another disturbing thing, you know, is to to, to do I'm that to yourself. Thinking, I'm thinking and hoping that the writers don't go the route of Sam has to be a cutter kind of thing because yeah, that, I don't want it to go that far. I find that really disappointing on a storytelling level and really mm-hmm. really disrespectful mm-hmm. to a to a pretty big issue that goes on with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm really hoping we don't do that, and I don't think they I, are. I get the feeling that they're basically saying your tricks aren't going to work because you've acknowledged this mm-hmm. again. Right. I, I I didn't I didn't intend to say that Sam was going to go to be a cutter, but I just thought he thought it worked last time and not have it become a steady thing, but maybe do something like that or ask, ask Dean because that's how Dean helped him last time. It wasn't even Sam's intent last time. You know, it was something that, you know, he fell, but it was something Dean did to try and help him ground him. So I thought if he's desperate to control Lucifer, he might try that, not have it become a continuing shortcut or have it become a very serious issue. And again, Sam, like you said, Sam is handling this and functioning and it's amazing he's gone this long without totally losing everything forever. What I love is that the Lucifer in Sam's head is an in-character Lucifer. He hasn't created this really overtly evil version of Lucifer. Mm-hmm. It's exactly how, you know, we got Lucifer in person before, and I like that a lot. I like that he mm-hmm. hasn't overly done it in his own head. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark Pellegrino plays him amazingly. Oh, he was mm. so awesome. There, my favorite parts of the episode all basically were Mark Pellegrino parts. And, yeah. like, the part where he was sitting there like a petulant child, I'm bored, pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He said, shut up to me. That's probably one of my favorite lines ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. He was just, he was just fantastic. And, again, that was, that was another thing that had a lot of layers to me because we came very, again, we came complacent that, that, you know, Mark playing Lucifer as Lucifer's just kind of, he's there and he's bored. He's like a petulant child and he's just kind of like, pay attention to me and he's annoying and annoyed. And then at the end, you're you're hit with, once Sam let him in, you're hit with, oh, that's right, this, this is Lucifer, you know. He is supposedly the embodiment of, of evil. He's evil number one. And, you know, he was bent on, you know, destroying the world, and he's tortured Sam in the cage for years. He possessed him. He's done terrible things. And you sort of kind of forgot a little bit because he was so much fun in this this particular episode. And then at the very end, when uh, the flames of hell showed back up again Sam's mind and Lucifer laughing and laughing that he, that he finally had Sam again. And that just creeped me out, too. I also really enjoyed the forked tongue, the forked tongue. I have to just say that was I that was, was good. That was not I was not expecting that at all. I was like, whoa! I had to rewind it. You know, it's like, <laughs> did I see what I just thought I saw? <laughs> I know, I know. That was creepy too. That was really creepy. This is this episode had a lot on the creepy scale. 
a lot. And but um yeah, that yeah, there was a years ago I read an article about um this he's a he's a police officer and his um area was black magic again, the notes roll down to Florida and there's quite a bit of you know, it's all sorts of not to pick on anything particular, but you know, he's like he was like the authority on, you know, Santeria, black magic, you know, uh, satanic worship, blah, 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 because there'd be a lot of crimes related to that. And he said, and all over the years that he learned, he says that the blackest magic is the one that you think is not too bad and things are okay and they they kind of lead you along and suck you and it's, oh, it's not too bad, we're just doing these little things. And then when they finally get you, it turns on you. And he says, that's just the black sign of magic. And that reminded me of it with the way Lucifer was sort of helping Sam and bugging him and all that until he had. And, I, you know, the thing, yeah, he, he was actually, he was coming up with good ideas. You know, his mm-hmm. the information he was giving Sam was good information. And Sam well, was fine. Some, or, if Dean had been with him, if they hadn't split up, there's, I don't think there's any way Sam would have let him in because Sam was by himself and he was trying to save Dean, and that's why he ended up letting mm-hmm. him in. Well, and one of the things I really like that they did is basically it highlights that Lucifer is kind of the other, like, the other half of Sam's consciousness. He's the subconscious. Because it's all coming from Sam. Mm-hmm. Like, Lucifer had no way of knowing that it's Detective Sutton. That's a repressed Sam memory. Right. And the fact that, you know, Sam logically knows that, no, that's my memory. He refuses to acknowledge that he was getting that information from his almost alter ego. Mm-hmm. And that that's disturbing that in order for, in order to be whole, Sam has to be what he considers Lucifer. And I thought that was pretty neat. And he he was you know he was following, you know Lucifer's instructions. Like you know how he got tough with um, I can't remember her name now. The the Wiccan woman. He got mm-hmm. he got tough with her and was threatening her and everything. Yeah, he, and I love that of me, I'm saying that he's he's right there. Hmm. I'm two inches away, and you better be afraid of me. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about, at the beginning, the flashback. Mm-hmm. How good was it to see, how it was so awesome to see the Impala back again, Dean's amulet. It was so great to see Dean's amulet, Dean's ring. Know. You know, oh, we mm-hmm. missed these things so much. <laughs> I know, I really, I mean, it was great to see Baby, and I saw the and I went, oh, my gosh, the amulet, I I. I really miss it. I don't think Jensen misses it, but I but I do <laughs> very much. And I know there's been a lot of talk about whether that was during supposed to be taking place in the third season or the fourth season because we did have that time jump, you know, after Swan Song was supposed to have jumped a year. But mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be third season. They were looking for Lilith because Lilith was all the flat, all the. Um, Things at the beginning, you know, on the, you know, at the preview things were Lilith related. And that was in third mm-hmm. season. They were trying to look for Lilith to save so Dean wouldn't 
go to hell at the end, you know. So right. I think that was all supposed to be taking place during the third season. Mm-hmm. And what what kind of, because Lilith, we know that was third and fourth, was more third until we actually met her. But what really made me feel like it was season three and, you know, one day Ben Edlin may come out and say, no, that's wrong with season four, but is the fact that Dean was tortured. And when he came back from hell, he was so resistant to doing that until he mm-hmm. had to torture Alex there. And um, Sam was engaging guys, in it with him. You guys, I'm really, really sorry to interrupt, but there's a call there I'm going to take just in case. Sorry. Okay. Radio. <clears throat> Hello, Winchester Radio. Hello? Hello, Winchester Radio. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Great. No, actually, I think they put a tag at the front before the car pulled up that was four years earlier, so I'm relatively sure it was season three, the car look. Is this Jim Michael? Okay. How do you know? Ah, uh, your voice sounds very familiar. <laughs> oh, that, 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 does, that does give away sometimes. Uh, I was thinking I heard that, but no. Yeah, actually, we went back, and it was, it was for season three, because we, we, we we'd actually did some research on it to make sure we had to put the uh, the spotlights back on her and all that stuff, because they'd been off for a couple of seasons. So. Oh, baby looked awesome. So good to see her again. Absolutely. But, yeah, no, it was based on season three. Well, thank you, thank, thank you, thank you for thank confirming you. that. <laughs> thank you, Jim. Yeah, the little thing. Now, the, I gotta say, the, the one thing that you know, I, I listened to a little bit of the broadcast before. The thing that disturbed me the most was the killing of the dog. I don't know. That it still bugs me. Yes. Oh, yeah, that, that was me a lot. I hadn't gotten to that. I was so disturbed I couldn't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, because I think you mentioned something else that disturbed you. I thought, how oh, heck no, the dog one disturbed me. I was like, oh gosh. But, you know, he's he's a bad guy, so I guess they do things. And and you know, the Boomer the Boomer the dog was perfectly healthy. In fact, I just saw him in an episode of Alcatraz. So I, I'm Boomer the dog. Is fine. Oh good. Oh, I was good. really worried about the dog up until the time when we realized that Jeffrey was evil, and I was like, okay, maybe it's like Silence of the Lambs where he really cares about his dog. And then no. Yeah. No. Well, you know, serial killers. Some of them start out by killing animals, you know, when they're when they're young. So I was very worried about the dog, and then he was so cute, and he was even cuter. He picked up and carried his own cone of shame. Yes. I was like, oh, that's oh, what broke my heart the most. He was wagging his tail and carrying his cone when he was walking with Jeffrey, and then Jeffrey killed him. I was like, oh, that was just horrible. <laughs> yeah, and Russell Sams was awesome as Jeffrey, by the way, just awesome. Well, Jeffrey was great. Jeffrey actually did a pilot with Bob Singer uh, that never aired called Sam's Circus uh, a number of years ago. So Bob knew uh, uh, from a long time ago, uh, Russell Sam's, the actor. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was he excellent. Was he was excellent. He, he played Jeffrey. Yeah, he was, he was phenomenal. He had a great performance. Yeah, excellent and casting that. All the way around, oh, yeah. And the director, you said that he worked with, he used to direct with Alfred Hitchcock? Well, he wasn't director. He actually was a storyboard artist with with Robert Hitchcock uh, for uh, a number of years. So, uh, so that certainly is is a very close relationship to the director. Uh, you know, when you're doing the storyboards with Robert Hitchcock, and another uh, a, a production manager I've done a lot of work with um, um, was actually an assistant director to Alfred Hitchcock. In fact, you know, I brought up his name, same uh, Wayne Farlow. First time, of course, I know Wayne Farlow because Wayne was with Hitchcock for a number of years. In fact, Wayne was prepping as his first AD when Albert Hitchcock passed away. But uh, oh, yeah, so okay. my so my old friend Wayne and my new friend Tom were like longtime old friends. So it was it was very nice to uh, talk some stories uh, from back in that time as well. But you know, Tom was 
an amazing uh, talent to have on the set, and I hope we can, you know, convince them to come back next year. Oh, definitely. The, the scene where Jeffrey was doing the spell to um, call it, call the demon, the way it was lit and the way it was filmed, it was just so looked like old classic monster movie scene. I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah. Well, certainly, you know, Tom has a great uh, uh, visual taste, and certainly Serge, you know, our, our cinematographer, you know, it's just, just amazing and day after day after day. It's just what he pulls off, and, you know, it's one of those things when we found this factory, we looked at it a couple times, we've sort of been saving it because we wanted to do not just one scene there, we want to make it, you know, a lot of work. We ended up being there for a number of days. But that was sort of our anchor location for that location. We, we we threw a lot of time at it, and it actually cost us a fair amount to prep it because there was so much night work. Uh, so we had to really tent in a lot of it uh, for part of it. And uh, but it was a it was a great location, and uh, Jerry Wanick and the Earth did a great job inside there. And it was just a, a great creepy space, and we're so glad to finally found the script that was right for it. While you're on the line, which, by the way, it's so cool that you called in, um, mm-hmm. my biggest mystery about this episode was who was supposed to have painted the uh, double strap on the ceiling? Yes. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, that's an interesting question, and maybe someday I'll give you the answer. Ah. That's unfair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have been, people have been debating that for the past two, you know, week and a half now. Well, they'll, they'll they'll be debating it for a while still. So, um, you know, you never know. But that's me. Mark Telegram. Oh, Mark is always wonderful. It's sort of like in Pulp Fiction, you know, you know everybody tries to guess what was in the briefcase, really. Right, they right. never told you. But nobody's ever always... figured it out. That's what I don't want. I want to figure this well, out sometime. I, I you know, <laughs> I did I did tease. Yeah, no, it wasn't Royale with cheese, but uh, I was I was of the belief, and I actually asked Lawrence Bender, who I did some work with once, who's an amazing producer, and I asked him, you know, you know, he he said there is an answer, uh, but okay. you know, he he certainly wouldn't tell anybody. It's like um, maybe he'll he'll auction that off at a charity like uh, uh, You're So Vain, who was that really song was really about. But uh, he told me one of the best you know guesses he heard was it was full of men's souls. Oh, oh, yeah. Fiction. Now, he didn't tell me that was the answer, but he said that was, a, that was one of the best guesses he'd heard. Hmm. So maybe we'll keep you guessing who painted that sigil on the ceiling. Uh, yeah. Sounds like it's going to be a mystery for the ages. Yeah. <laughs> maybe for years. Oh, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm just glad that there is an answer because I was worried that there was not an answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, with yeah. us, we, we, sometimes we take years to get around the thing, so. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm let you guys get back to your show. Uh, appreciate you guys' support always, and uh, enjoy hey, the rest you. of your uh, your afternoon. And likewise, thank, thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Take care, take, take care now. All the best. See you guys on the, you guys on, I'll, I'll see you guys on the Twitter. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Bye. 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 Yay. <laughs> That was very cool. And we were right, season was. three. <laughs> it was season three. Thank you, Jim, for confirming for us. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the yeah, thing, because I wrote it all, I wrote it, I, when I did my recap, I did everything as season three, and then I thought there was debate, and I was like, oh, 
I'm not rewriting that. <laughs> that is season three. I well, don't I thought care. it was season three with Lilith and, and everything, and they were trying to find the only thing about it, and I, I know it's season three and I'm not disputing it, but the only thing I could have thought, well, why you might wonder is that Dean seemed awfully good at torturing, and he learned all that in hell. And I thought, well, maybe he's showing off some torture skills from, you know, after getting out of hell. But otherwise, I, I would have thought it was season three. So, and what, what what left me that is that up until, you know, he didn't want to torture once he came back from hell, and he hasn't mm-hmm. tortured since. Um, and then having Sam in on it with him, mm-hmm. that made me feel like, no, this has to be pre-hell for Dean. And also, like, yeah, it was four years, and we did have the time jump, but years don't move the same in Supernatural as they did. So that no. time jump that we have in season six could still put them at 2012 for now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they're in 2013. Time is fluid in the supernatural universe a little bit, yeah. you know, like Mystery Spot, which was, you know, played with time, and then, you know, Gabriel. And, you know, we have a lot, we've had a lot of time. Yeah, like you never really know how much time has passed for them just because we're doing seasons doesn't mean every season is a real year for them continuously. Mm-hmm. And the only so. time it's ever really been brought up was in French Mistake when Sam was asking Jen if if he if did Jen remember all the earthquakes and things last year. Last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she said, right. yeah, on your show. So. Yeah. And again, that's fluid because if I say last year, then that's just 2011. That can be anywhere from January to December. Right. It doesn't have right. to be 365 days. So time exactly. is always fluid in, in, in so many television shows, unless it's One Tree Hill where they did that literal four year jump that never made sense, but I don't care because I love that show. <laughs> okay. It didn't make sense. <laughs> it made no sense how you jumped four years and you're still the same year and everything's still relevant, but whatever, I'll work with it. <laughs> Artistic license. <laughs> Definitely. Whatever. Okay. I know. The poor little doggy, that, that upset me a lot. <laughs> when I was yeah. when when I was rewatching it again today, um, you know, to get ready for the podcast and I had my little Lily, you know, she's a little chihuahua, she was sitting in my lap while I was watching and just watching the little dog just walking with uh, with Jeffrey, with his carrying his cone and his tail wagging, he's so happy. And it's like, oh my god, that's just horrible. And did you put and I, I, eyes? I, I really did feel like. Stuff. <laughs> I, mean, I really did feel like I was very nervous about the dog until I realized that Jeff, you know, Jeffrey was actually a serial killer. And then I really thought, okay, this is like a Buffalo Bill, Silence of the Lambs, where the dog is the most important thing. The dog's fine. And the dog was no. not fine at all, and yeah. I did not take that well. And neither did Dean. I, I really like Dean's reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Dean's always had a you know a thing for you know he does not like people hurting animals, and it goes all the way back to first season Wendigo, I think when mm-hmm. he's walking through the what he's walking through the woods with um oh I can't think of what his character's name but he was the um. He was a Cylon on Battlestar Galactica. 
Um, oh. He's he's oh. walking along with with that guy, and the guy's talking about shooting and hunting. He and Bean says, "Did Bambi ever shoot you back, or something mm-hmm. like that?" And so you, you can tell that Dean, yeah, he you know his, the way he hunts is fine because he hunts monsters. But the fact that this other guy goes out and hunts animals, you know, mm-hmm. deer and bear and everything, he mm-hmm. did not like that at all. Which I, I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, and he's always had a spot for dogs. Yeah, I like that he has the whole thing is don't hurt something that didn't hurt you, and I like that that's, you know. Right, exactly. That's Dean's moral compass is if it hurts me or if it hurts somebody, all bets are off, but if it never hurt anybody, why am I going to bother? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's vegetarian or anything, but. And he was only too happy to gun Jeffrey down right at the end. I think he was thinking of the dogs when he did it, too. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. that was really surprising how just almost without thought he took Jeffrey out. And you know what? All I keep thinking is, is okay, now that Jeffrey's dead, he's gone to hell, he's going to be a demon now. And... You know, who knows? I know it's supposed to take, you know, hundreds of years for, you know, souls to become demons, but he was already evil to begin with, so it may not take as long. He could see Jeffrey come back in demon form. Yeah. He could. You know, he could because, you know, he goes to hell and he's like, well, I'm happy to be here, happy to be a demon. And and uh, they may say, great, you know, we'll put you on the fast track, you know, and uh, have Turn it into a, like you said, a demon even even faster. So, yeah, we could see him again for sure. Oh boy! interesting. What I really liked was the idea of the demon basically telling Jeffrey, like where he says that he's just a teacher and he's mm-hmm. done with Jeffrey. And I liked that a lot. Be- not. In a really morbid mm-hmm. way, I should say, because I like disturbing morbid things. I do. So as much <laughs> as the head thing was disturbing, I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. But I love the idea of, you know, there there is a demon going out there just trying to, like, crack open already screwed up people. Yeah, they're out there and recruiting then, and all that. Mm. And the I, dancing? I, yeah, that was so creepy. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> that was really creepy. And, it, yeah, even Jeffrey was, like, creeped out. I was like, really? You know, you love being possessed by a demon and you're creeped out by somebody dancing with you? It's like, okay. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of that scene in um Interview with a Vampire where uh, Claudia has the dead body decomposing and Lestat mm-hmm. picks the body up and waltzes around with it. And it's it's a really disturbing scene in that movie as well. Mm-hmm. So, but the way that he was waltzing with Jeffrey and Jeffrey was like, Jeffrey was just kind of, whoa. And it just, he yeah. looked almost corpse like he looked being, like he was being dragged around. Just made mm-hmm. it all the more. Now the, um, the actor that played the oh, son. Oh, wow. The actor that played the son, um, he was in the, the series finale of Dark Angel, uh, Freak Nation. Um, mm-hmm. So he's worked. He's worked with Jensen before. Hmm. Yeah, be interesting to to what to know if there was any uh, any bonding done for that. Some re, uh, reminiscing. Mhm. 
Nora, that was her name. I cannot remember the Wicca's name. Yeah, Nora, Nora Hadlock. Um, and she was... I wish we would have gotten more, back, more backstory on her. Um, I how she got involved in the first place. I don't know if it was a misdirect on purpose or not, but I at first thought she was going to turn out to be the demon because of when she brought Sam and Dean into her office, she had she walked around the devil's trap because she said it was still drying. And so I thought that was, you know, I thought, aha, she's the demon. She won't walk through the devil's trap. So I don't know if that was a misdirect on purpose or not. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was because nothing's ever, very few things are accidental when it comes to the show. Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting that there's a mystery behind who did the devil's trap on the ceiling. Yeah, it's like we should ask Jim who we need to bribe to find out the answer to that. I'm not sure we could we could afford the <laughs> get the answer to that. Like, oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Here's so I wonder if it's the same answer that who drank the beer and who moved the page. You know. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh, I hadn't even thought of that. You think uh huh. Bobby goes to Bobby still helping out, maybe. Yep. That would be something else oh, a mystery. I would love it, love, love, love if that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, just some, like, random random trivia. I was looking up Jeffrey Ballard right now, and he was in a Smallville episode, and he played a character at the age of 16. Colin Ford played that character at age 7 in the same episode. Oh, oh I remember that episode. That was a good one. Yeah. I didn't know that was And even though it's... Even though it's season four, it's an episode without Jensen. <laughs> so, uh, the other thing is, this episode aired on the 17th. On the 18th was the uh, anniversary of Smile Time, which was an Angel episode also penned by Ben Edlund. So, which is a very full circle kind of weekend for him. Smile Time, one of the classic episodes. Yeah, so that was, uh, I believe that would be the seven-year anniversary. Oh, I love that episode. My math is terrible, but I think it would be seven years. Yeah, that's one of the best episodes of television ever, I think, Smile Time. Oh, yes. I didn't. When you first heard about that, like Angel was a puppet, really? But then it would made it work. And yeah. another super, another supernatural yeah. connection in that episode. Ridge Knipe, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name, who played Young Dean in um, season one, Something Wicked. He was he was in Smile Time. Exactly. Hmm. So you can never escape six degrees of supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Jim Michael tweeted it was great to talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> what I did find interesting also is in the episode, 
you know, you have Jeffrey with his limp, and he's listing off, you know, what he did, you know, what 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 was broken, what was bruised, what was. Mm-hmm. You have all that, and you have Dean at the beginning just dropping him off and leaving him, and there is almost there is, even though they think Jeffrey's the victim, they don't have sympathy. Mm-hmm. It's a very very fleeting like oh yeah sorry bro. Yeah yeah. And I find that really interesting that even going back to, you know, season three, you can kind of understand that they were on a mission, but it's always, with them, there's always a mission, and there's so much collateral damage. Yeah. I mean, I was a little bit taken aback, because I remember thinking, Dean, you can't even walk into the door, you know? It's like, oh, my, oh, my God, you know? And I, I guess he just didn't want to get tangled up in a possible police report and, and everything not, else. Not only that, but priority, he has to get back to Sam. Sam will always be the priority. Yeah. Dean will always be the priority. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're used to getting beat on all the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, their their threshold of, of injury and pain and everything of seriousness is a whole lot higher than everybody else's. So we probably thought, ah, not too bad. Here you go. I was like, holy cow. What I'm curious about, um, because Jeffrey enjoyed being possessed and he was already had the serial killer potential, how much of his story that he told to Dean is true? Like, he really wouldn't have anything to reconcile, so he really wouldn't have any reason to fall into this hole of drinking and depression. But obviously he did this, he ended up in this halfway home, so mm-hmm. part of it has to be true to some degree. I wonder how much of it was calculated by him. Yeah, so he could have been depressed. He couldn't get back to the way he was with the demon. Yeah, he could have been That's depressed, but for different reasons. <laughs> um, I do have one... Uh, when nitpick with this and this isn't I'm not going to blame it on Ben Edlund because I'm not but uh, I'm going to blame it on casting mm-hmm. when you're going to have a serial killer that kills fat girls how about we not pick a librarian who's in no way fat yeah like, I really had an issue with the fact that she's all of maybe a size 10 and well, you know, having the yeah. you know the girl theme and calling you know calling her the guy who comes in a chubby chaser, that did not. I mean, because I'm overweight, I might be touchy, but that didn't sit well with me in a body image way. Like, what are you telling people who are average size? You know, I heard that I went wait a minute. She's not even close to being what a a, a I mean, typical <laughs> chubby chaser go for. And you're right. It's, I'm like I looked at it. And I went. Really? That's a comment I'm a little bit surprised about on, on her particular body. And I can get I mean, she wasn't skinny by any means, but no. definitely different. Yeah. But, you know, but, I, I could see, you know, saying he's a frump, he's got a frumpy librarian king. That's cool. I'm fine with that. But because um, she did have that very, you know, antiquated, stereotypical librarian look. Mm-hmm. But he looked really curvy to me, like really, really curvy, you know, and not that at all. But it could have been like, like you said, written one way, but then casting 
had a different idea of, of yeah. what she should have worked like, and it didn't no. match what the expression was at all. It was a on a writing aspect, and maybe because I already had the correlation between science alarm, it was slightly derivative, in my opinion, of ripping off the the serial killer who kills overweight women. It's it's been done a lot, and it's at this point sort of a cliche. But um, yeah, the fact that she also was not what you would consider fat; she was, you know, almost mm-hmm. almost chubby. I wouldn't even put her as chubby; she was almost chubby. Mm-hmm. That was a little that was a little off putting for me. So, um, if you know, and again, you know, on camera, she looks heavier. You know, because I yeah. really occasionally get comments on how oh, you know, Jensen and Jared are heavier. Somebody for a while it was like oh, Jared, Jared's heavier. Something I'm like, there's not in a million years. Both guys are very lean when you see them in person. You know, I won't say they're skinny, but they're much leaner than than they appear on Supernatural. I know part of it is like all the clothes and yeah, they're very layered up and and things like that. But so she was probably not even as you know as vaguely chubby as she looks. And then they, you know, they have her frumpy clothes. They have her in the chunky cardigan, so she was layered mm-hmm. up as well. So yeah. yeah, that would be my my. My only bone to pick with the episode was that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a really neat little moment at the beginning, sort of towards the beginning for me, when um, uh, Dean, it, they checked into the hotel room, <laughs> and uh, what was it? Um, Lucifer had quite an insult about it, a bathroom with beds or something like that. Anyway, um, uh they were talking about the, this particular case, and Dean says, well, you know, our priority is the Leviathans. We have to go back after them. And, and Sam says, well, yeah, except it isn't. You know, we, this was us, and we have to, to finish this case coming back. You know, it's, it has to do with us. And Dean didn't argue. He didn't protest. He just looked at Sam and said, okay. And I thought that's like another little step in the brothers' relationship in some ways changing and even more maturing. Uh-huh. You know, I just thought it was a really neat moment where, you know, Sam says, you know, we, we need to deal with this, and Dean was like, okay, you know. Yeah, I, I, I did like that. Hmm. What I also liked at the end, though, which is like a weird parallel to that line, is when Dean's mentioning that, you know, that's what, how crazy people are. They look normal, but they're not. And he's basically mm-hmm. describing Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Sam just takes it. He just, you know, sits there with it. Even though he's told me, you know, yeah, I'm crazy. I just, I'm aware that I'm crazy. Yeah. I wonder if he'll he'll tell Dean that, yeah, I finally talked to Lucifer, you know, and, and uh, is he just going to keep trying to hide it? from Dean, and it's going to come out. I mean, Dean's going to find out, of course, because he won't be able well, to keep himself together, but will he will he kind of head it off at the pass and tell him? Well, the preview for the next episode, which I'm going to talk about the preview. If you haven't watched the preview, you might want to mute it for a minute. Um, the preview shows Sam being wheeled on a gurney. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing all white, like you expect, you know, hospital mental patient to be wearing. And he's 
he, I think this is the episode where he mentioned that Sam is going to have a, you know, be scruffy. Um, so mm-hmm. he was beardy and he was beardy and scruffy. So it looks like Sam is going to be in a mental hospital in the next episode. Don't know, you know, how long he's in there for. If he goes, if he's in it when the episode starts, you know, we have no idea. But at some point, looks like he's going to be in a mental hospital. Yeah. I just was just wondering if 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 when he finally falls apart, is it going to be like a surprise to Dean or is Dean going to have some warning from Sam like, like you know, I, I you know, I, Lucifer and I are talking again and I could, you know, go off like a time bomb or something like this. So Dean at least has some prep because, you know, the last thing you want is Sam like totally losing it in the middle of, an important moment in a case or a hunt and, you know. I think to some degree, no matter what, it'll be a surprise to Dean because Dean is (laughs) so good at putting himself in denial about this. Mm -hmm. In general, he's really good at uh, creating that denial for himself. So I think until Sam completely cracks, even if he tells Dean, like, this is what's going on, this is what's happening, Dean's going to go, okay, Uh with your head with right? You know, like he said, like I said, he told Dean, I'm crazy. I just know I'm crazy. And he's like, okay, well, you're handling it. Good to know. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think, you know, like like, like I said, he says the things that you could categorize as insensitive by saying, you know, crazy people do this because he doesn't consider Sam crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be very much like him saying, well, you know, Sam saying, well, alcoholics do this. Sam, Dean knows that Sam considers him an alcoholic. He knows that mm-hmm. Sam thinks he's an alcoholic. It doesn't, on the, the flip side, isn't so much true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, although, for an alcoholic, he really, he, you know, there was no drinking in this episode, so go Dean. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he quit drinking in the last episode. Remember he said after, you know, mm-hmm. he had that, Amazonian baby, he, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to cut out drinking for a while, so he's sticking to it, it looks like. Yeah, so, you know, it's stuck for now. We'll see how long that lasts, and I hope it does, but I will see, you know, but I, I definitely think it's a some kind of progression. Um, the other thing I liked, and it took me a while to really like this moment, because at first I wasn't that crazy about it was the end with the Good Morning Vietnam. At mm-hmm. first, I was like, you know, that was, just, that was just a, that was too blatant. What was that? And then the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, considering what Vietnam vets deal with and the flashbacks mm-hmm. and the trauma, in retrospect, it was really good. A really good mm-hmm. treatment. Yeah. Um, yeah, at first, it was a little jarring. You're like, where did, where did that come from? You know, and then you yeah, think so about it. Like it that I, I think, yeah, I was thinking too much. I think I was trying to look too much into the actual movie rather than the sentiment. Mm-hmm. But once I t- stopped trying to fit it into, you know, Robin Williams' voice, <laughs> then, mm-hmm. it, you know, yeah. it, it worked. Another, sorry. Hello? I'm here. Did we lose clarity? Oh, I think oh. we did lose it. Here I am. I think I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I was I, another kind of kind of fun moment was when Sam and Dean went up to the crime scene 
and and they were saying, you know, one of these times, Dean says, I'm afraid we're going to go up and introduce ourselves and find out, you know, we're introducing ourselves to a couple of, he says, big mouth, I think, Leviathans. And then somebody comes up behind Sam and bumps his hand on Sam's shoulder, and Sam jumps, and it, and it, it turns out to be a detective who remembered them, which is another little bit of a chance they take as, as well. And he remembers them as the drummers. Bottom and Watts, I guess Watts, yeah. Yeah, Charlie right, Watts as, and Rolling Stones. Which is kind of fun, you know, a blast from the past there. <laughs> and I and I like that that kind of blew, you know, they're, had they tried to introduce themselves with the Smith and Smiths like they've been doing, they would have ended up really screwing up there because, mm-hmm. you know, they meet so many law enforcement agents that they just throw out a name, but they forget that people remember them. You know, especially Sam, he's kind of he's kind of hard to forget. Mm. Yes. And you know, I just have to mention seeing demons again. I had no idea that I would miss demons, and I had no idea that I missed demons. And when I thought, like, oh, I missed these kind of storylines. This is pretty cool. <laughs> you know what? I when, when they exercise the demon and the smoke goes blasting up, I actually went. I haven't seen that in a long time. I missed yeah. that. And, and I, yeah, I hadn't realized that either. It's like, oh, there's, you know, a good old-fashioned exorcism. We haven't had one of those in a long time. <laughs> was, I think we're just nice. third, Becky, missing demons. <laughs> demons are comforting, okay? <laughs> I'm comforted by something you can exercise. Yeah, it is. It's like, you know, yeah, who'd, who'd have guessed we'd have found demons comforting? <laughs> it's like, and I know, know. when you think about how Supernatural has um, matured and Sam and Dean have grown as hunters, if you think about it, because in the first season, they, you know, when it was like Phantom Traveler, they had really never dealt with demons before. That. And then they didn't. You know, really, they had to research and find out what you had to do to, you know, exercise a demon. And then, you know, so in the first season, demons was a big thing. And mm-hmm. now, now the way it is, it's like, you know, oh, demons, yeah, they're just nothing. We, you know, get rid of them. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we've got Leviathans, much bigger to deal with. And it makes me think of the um, episode Buffy the Gift. When um, mm-hmm. when it starts off at the beginning, um, Buffy is out in the alley and she kills a, a vampire. And when she goes back into the magic box, Xander said, "Was there trouble?" And Buffy's a, a vampire, and Xander's like, "Oh, you know." At that point, vamp, vamp, eh, vampires not dealing with glory. You know, the big hell god, whereas you know it used to be in the first, you know, vampires were the big thing. It's the same mm-hmm. thing here. You know, demons are nothing now because they've got they've dealt with you know, Lucifer and Leviathan, you know, so much bigger things. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really funny that you mentioned Buffy and season five because the whole time that Sam kept talking to Lucifer, I kept going, so Ben is glory. Maybe Sam and Lucifer have a connection. <laughs> <laughs> I kept having that stuck in my head. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm waiting for the moment that Sam goes, "Yeah, I'm talking to I'm talking to Lucifer," and he goes, "And Dean goes, are you subletting?" Like I'm just waiting for it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> this is this old Ben. He's gory. 
Yeah. That was oh. like in my head the whole time. Oh. I, yeah. So are we are like, we assuming that there's some kind of connection between Sam and Lucifer? Is everyone here very stoned? Oh, we're, we're going to lose our supernatural viewers who've never watched Buffy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> If you're watching Supernatural and have not watched Buffy, you're doing it wrong. Go watch Buffy. Go. <laughs> yes, yes. You must go watch Buffy. And, come back and, then, and then watch Angel. And then watch Angel. So please go fit 12 seasons of television into your life. Go. <laughs> go watch and, and then come back because there's going to be a test. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since I think every recap I write has at least two Buffy references that I don't even realize I'm doing. So yeah, yeah. That's why we have the X Files references. Yes. So. Teresa Pazina tweeted a good question. Um, thoughts on whether Lucifer is really Lucifer or through hallucination originating in Sam's head? What do you guys think? Is it really Lucifer? Portraying Sam, or do you think Sam's really hallucinating? For me, he's one hundred percent in Sam's head. Yeah, because yeah. he's both. Well, didn't doesn't Dean say uh, is he out? Is he out? And 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 oh, I don't think it was Sam last. But he said no. He's Lucifer's still in cage, right? Right. Lucifer, for my part, is supposed to be still in the cage. That's yeah, right. but you know who. To know that they are. Mm-hmm. And Adam. We can't forget poor Adam. Mm-hmm. I know. Oh, oh, so everybody yeah. kind of forgets poor Adam. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. The the one thing that may that proved to me that Sam is actually hallucinating Lucifer and Lucifer's not the real thing is when he told Sam that the name was Sutton. That's Sam's information. That's Sam's memory. Lucifer exactly. shouldn't have it. Right. And when Lucifer's telling him, like, he's basically telling him, look closer, look closer. He's not always mm-hmm. giving him the answer. Sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he doesn't. And, yeah, for me, he's completely 100% in Sam's head only. Now, what I would be curious about is how much of, the Lucifer manifestation is just Sam's way of almost like a split personality. Like how much of that is just a fractured Sam? Because he does have all of Sam's information and all of Sam's knowledge. And we already know how Sam kind of, you know, feels about himself, you know, that he's a freak, that he's evil, that he's got the demon blood in him. So I wonder if that's how his psyche is trying to reconcile that by manifesting Lucifer. Or, you know, I taken to make psychology classes. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That boy. Of course, any psychologist would just have a field day with uh, just one Winchester brother, never mind those of them. Oh, that would be just case study after case study. You can guarantee you will get published in every journal if you were got to study Winchester. <laughs> guarantee publication. Yeah. He had a tiny taste, and Sam interrupted. Just a tiny taste. Yes. 
little tiny. But then, you know, but then it went comical, so. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really good to see how this progresses in a non-comical way. Mm-hmm. And I'm real. I'm very, very excited for that. I am too because I I don't know what this says about me, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> my favorite my favorite storylines are when the characters go crazy, you know. In X Files, when Mo, when Mulder went crazy, you know, those were so good. And in mm-hmm. Buffy season six, when Spike was crazy and in the basement, you know. And then you have season seven where Buffy's crazy. Yes, my favorite storylines are always when it's so crazy. So I'm really looking forward to Sam in a mental hospital. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, agree. I don't know what that's about me either, but at least it says that I'm not I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are together, and they just they just they just turn loose, and you get to see whole different you know aspects and layers of the characters because norm you know quote unquote normally. The guys are under pretty good control with what they're doing, um, you know, hunting and researching and everything, and it's almost normal. We get used to it. That's their life, and we're used to watching it. So it's kind of fun to see them go crazy. And and is there truth in what they're saying? Are they really crazy? You know, are they finally saying how they really feel? You know, it's uh, yeah, you get all different uh, uh, perspective and insight, I think, on the character. So, yeah, I, I love crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh well, you know, demons again. People are crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I've always said that as an actor, that's got to be the most fun to play is when you're either crazy or evil because it's you know mm-hmm. for most people you know that's a stretch. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. it's going to be a stretch for Jared. I'm I'm, I'm hoping it's a stretch for him. Uh, <laughs> I know. <Uh-oh. laughs> I like to think that he, I, I like to think that he's not just completely dropping character to be able to play that, but. Um, <laughs> That'd be kind of weird. But I always yeah. thought well, he that's for the years, most he loved fun playing bad Sam. Yeah, because that's got to be the most fun, you know, when you're when you're an actor to play the crazy or the evil, because it's just a, a way to just let go and do the kind of things that you can't do in real life. Yeah, and he said his favorite yeah. episode was born under a bad sign for years because it was such a departure from, you know, heroic, you know, emo. You know, uh, and pathetic Sam. So that's, that's probably still episode. my yeah. That's in my top five. <laughs> One Mine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that episode so much. Well, the the best thing about that episode, even though we're totally flashing back by saying this, but the best thing about that episode, in terms of you know Jared's portrayal, is not that he's playing just that he's playing evil. It's that he's Literally playing Meg, and he is Meg. He's not just an mm-hmm. evil demon. He is Meg to a T. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's perfect. And mm-hmm. that. And what what is, what impressed what impressed me the most during that episode is the scene where he's talking to Joe when she's tied up to the pole. He's he's mm-hmm. using he's talking as Meg. He's Meg. He's using her type of voice. But when Dean comes in. He, he uses the he deeper Sam voice, you know, where he's trying to be Sam to Dean, mm-hmm. and I mean that I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was flawless. It really really mm-hmm. was. So so knowing that he can do that, I'm extremely excited to see. <laughs> I'm extremely excited to see his sanity break down. 
ahead of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah. I think you just going to really knock it out of the park. Now, I, I've already, I'd already mentioned this to Vinny earlier in the week. Sorry, do you watch Being Human, the, the U.S. version on Sci-Fi Channel? I'm sorry, I didn't catch it. Do you watch Being Human on the Sci-Fi Channel? Um, no, I saw most of the British version. Okay, well, the American this, version. On this week's episode of Being Human on Sci-Fi Channel, Mark Pellegrino was in it. And his character, Bishop, was killed last season in the finale of last season. So he was back in this episode basically the exact same way that he was in this episode. He was back only the only the Aiden character could see him. He, Aiden was hallucinating him. And mm-hmm. so it was the same thing. He was in, in a room with people where other people you know, couldn't see him because only the one person could see him. It was the exact same thing. And I was telling Vinny, I wish he was going to be at a convention, kind of, you know, so somebody could ask him, so are you getting used to, you know, being ignored? (laughs) (laughs) Invisible? How about invisible typecasting going for you? (laughs) Yeah, and I always think it must be just uh, amazing to act in a scene like that where you've got someone there, but you're not supposed to pay attention to them. You're not supposed to interact with them. You're not supposed to have any give and take with them at all, and you have to keep the, the focus you have to have for I think scenes like that must be just so strong and so amazing to see the Jared in those scenes, and then we had also had some scenes where it was Jim Beaver and Jensen and Jared while Mark was there, and they had to just all like completely ignore Mark. It must be tough. And in this episode, we had the one scene where they're all in Jeffrey's apartment and there's, you know, Lucifer sitting on the back of the couch, you know. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I was just watching as I'm like, oh, so basically he's doing the exact same thing he did in Supernatural this week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I wonder if he called Aiden Sam. At some point. Right, right. <laughs> so are we going to mention somebody else who was in the preview for the next episode that we've been missing for a while? Uh, I, I'm i happy to talk about it, but we sh- again, we should warn you, it's a spoiler alert. So if you don't yeah. know anything, it's time to hit mute for a little while. Okay. Nisha! <laughs> Nisha! Nisha! <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess if you don't know he's coming back, you kind of have to have been completely off the Internet for the past two months anyway, so... Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's... Uh, and he, he's wearing sort of regular clothes, and he just turns around, and I wonder I wonder who he is. We don't know if he's yeah. a Leviathan, Jimmy Novak. Uh, we have no idea. Somebody else. Everyone's everyone's been very careful to say that Misha Collins is coming back. Never a character name has been used. Yeah, never a character name has been used. It's always Misha is coming back. Okay. Mm. (laughs) Do you remember Misha tweeted back a few weeks ago a picture of him? It looked like in like hospital clothes, like a t-shirt and like scrubs, sitting on like a hospital Mm -hmm. bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
then we see that Sam is going into a mental hospital and on a gurney. It Mm -hmm. makes me think, I have no idea if this is true, this is just my own theory, it makes me think that whoever Misha's character is now, whether it's Castiel, Jimmy Novak, Leviathan, whoever, they find him at the same hospital that Sam's going to. Yeah. Could he be in Sam's head and not really back at all? That's, that's well, don't we possible see, as well. That is possible. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, I want him to be back. I know. <laughs> don't disappoint me that way. <laughs> I know. It's like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I, but I, but it, I, I'm wondering, you know. I, well, the only who, thing who is, knows. I think when he, when he had tweeted that picture, he said something to the effect of, um, it, it entailed being crazy. I just don't remember what it yeah, was. Yeah, it was. It was supposed. It was. He was tweeting like you know, according to his Twitter, him and Barack Obama talk all the time, and it was something about Barack thought his latest something was crazy or something. Yeah, and he's been like, "Do I look crazy?" Right. And now that now that we're mentioning that, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. As you know, you can believe everything Nisha says on Twitter. Oh, oh, right, right. He's very, very straightforward. I mean, the queen oh, is yeah. constantly, you know, calling him for booty calls and everything all the time. Yeah, he's very close he, to he the never queen. speaks in riddles. <laughs> <laughs> Did, uh, speaking yeah. of Misha, um, it's, I suppose, sort of a tiny bit of spoiler alert for some people maybe, but he's uh, he was on Ringer this past week, and that was the very first episode of Ringer I've ever watched. And unless he comes back, it will probably be the last. And no offense to anybody, if you like Ringer, good for you, but uh, I, no, I don't think it's for me. <laughs> I like Ringer. <laughs> Do you like know what I said? <laughs> you know, I just, I, I'm like, oh, oh dear. <laughs> I want to like Ringer. Does that count? <laughs> I mainly like it because it's got two Buffies and it's got Logan Eccles. And then we had Castiel. Uh, you know, we had um, yeah. You know, well, Richard Alfred from Ringer. I I think it's it's not the cast of Ringer that's my problem because they're just um, all amazingly talented. But I think the writing and plotting on Ringer is not doing them their cast. Well, here, justice. let me tell you. <laughs> that's what I say. This is how you have to watch Ringer. This is how I watch it. Okay. Um, I, I actually watched this episode live since Misha was on it, but usually I DVR it. And then I'll I'll mm-hmm. turn it on during the week when I don't have, you know, anything else to do. And mm-hmm. I'll I'll have it playing while I'm on the computer. Mm-hmm. So I'm not giving it all my time. I can see that. And, and I will look up at the important parts. You know, it's like, oh, they're actually advancing uh-huh. the storyline with this sentence, so I'll watch it, you know. <laughs> and then I'll go back to what I'm doing. So, you know, cool. And, you know, it's, it's great. It's actually, we all have... Uh, Different, it's why there's so many different kinds of TV shows out there, you know, because they like different things. And I would never say anything, you know, about someone whose show they like because I like some shows, and you know, some people or some friends of mine don't like what I what I watch. I have a couple of friends who won't watch Supernatural; they don't like it. You know, I'm like, well, okay, you know, your opinion, that's that's fine. But uh, yeah, I don't have that problem at all. No, Mm-mm. no. The, the stories. Yeah. The story that they're trying to tell is really interesting. It's just they're so slow in telling it. So yeah. I want to find out, you know, the out, I want to watch it and find out what is 
actually going to happen with the story, but I don't have the patience to sit and give it my whole attention for the whole hour. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that I think that for me, Ringer fell into what might like had the potential to happen to me with say Buffy. Is that season one is it's not that good. Mm-hmm. I say that as a as a, as a diehard fan. In retrospect, season one of Buffy is slow, it's disjointed, and it doesn't mm-hmm. really come together until the last two episodes where you're like, oh, okay. So right. I think, and I think that's the problem with a lot of shows now, that they get pulled so quickly mm-hmm. that they don't have time to develop anything that you really, they really have to give you almost too much in the first season when really, on a storytelling level, it should be a little slower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, the cast in there is—it's amazing. So it could be they just need to find their feet, their place. It may change the bright something. I don't know, but it needs it. I am grateful to Ringer for finally telling me how to pronounce the name—the the name, the Gaelic name properly, Siobhan. Always oh, yeah. that. <laughs> Never heard it. Now I know. <laughs> That's something out of Ringer. And I thought Misha did a good job. He's actually got a pivotal part in it. And he's still alive at the end, so could see him again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His character is a very important part of their history, you know, being the father of Siobhan's baby and everything. Yeah. So I like it. It's pretty important. There's a good chance uh, the show, you know, if they hang in there, um, he could he could go back again someday. Yeah, they didn't they didn't kill him off. I was very happy about that. Yes, I think. Um, there's a Mary <laughs> tweeted, and I <laughs> I felt the same way. It's like, you know, this time the attractive crying man was not killed horrifically. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and his, the attractive his, crying his man scene, this time uh, survived. <laughs> his scene where he was crying, it, it, did, it was very heartbreaking. It did break my heart a little bit when he was crying. It was, and, and, he, and, he, and he did a very good job. Very good. <laughs> Not nearly as over the top crying as he was in the French mistake. As, uh, <laughs> Misha. <laughs> the French mistake, Misha. Yeah, I going back to Repo Man, it was definitely one of their best episodes ever, I thought. It was just mm-hmm. all the way around. Acting, yep. writing, directing, <laughs> casting, everything was just Spot on. For yep, a show to be yeah. in its seventh season and knock out an episode this good, mm-hmm. it's it really a statement right there. Yeah. To show that they haven't think, just gotten lazy. No, and I think overall, I think seventh season, I mean, you know, nothing's, nothing's perfect. Some are better than others. But I think overall season seven is, is very solid, very strong. There's been a lot of good stuff. I completely agree. Yeah. I'm wonder. I wonder what they're going to eventually do with Frank Devereaux. I'm sorry, what? I'm wondering what they're going to eventually do with Frank Devereaux. I mean, in my, in my opinion, Frank has to die. Oh, that sounded terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know I, why yeah, do you want to kill stop Frank it. Devereaux? Stop it. <laughs> because, let me explain. The reason I say that is, 
dead Bobby was killed because here was this constant mm-hmm. this constant in their life. And the whole mm-hmm. thing is the whole point has become they cannot have constants. Well, Frank, while not exactly reliable and overly paranoid and a little flighty, has become mm-hmm. He's cl- Dean is clearly keeping in very constant contact with Frank. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to the point where you know, they have their little codes and all this, and Frank's teaching him things and you know, teaching him how to hack, teaching him how to access. And it's, it's too close to what Bobby did. Mm-hmm. And so in, in my opinion, <laughs> nothing to Frank because I really enjoy the character, mm-hmm. but he's got, he's, Got to die. Yeah. If, yeah. If we can't, if we can't have Jim Beaver, we shouldn't have that guy, right? Yes. Jim Jim Beaver or bust. Um, exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> but um, Jim Beaver or no I one. Really, because the reason the reason Bobby worked for me, there was a and there was always debate about how well Bobby worked. But the reason he always worked for me was because of the relationship he had with the boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. So for me, either Frank won't work because he can't form that relationship, or if they try to force that relationship, that won't work for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't no want to matter force what, it. Yeah, no matter what, I, as a viewer, I won't accept Frank as a constant. It's always going to feel jarring to me. So nothing against you know. I think I think the character is very well written. I think that I think he's very well acted. Mm-hmm. I just don't think, I just, you know, he's got to die. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that might save him is that he's just so darn paranoid and he's he's used to looking over his shoulder almost constantly and he looks out <laughs> for number one. He might, he might make well, it a little, little bit longer than we think. <laughs> we do have the very, one of my favorite Bobby quotes is, you know, Bobby Singer, paranoid bastard. So mm-hmm. paranoia won't always, paranoia won't always save you. Yeah. To say well, so that might make him last a little bit longer. <laughs> Someone else, yeah. not forever. I mean, a little bit Bobby longer. held out for a good long time. Hunters mm-hmm. shouldn't last that long, but. Mhm. Um. Any anything else you all want to discuss about it? Um, uh, about um about the episode. Mhm. Um, I can't think of anything. We pretty much, you know, covered everything. I, mm-hmm. I made the points I wanted to make. At, and I think so. Uh, quick reminder to everybody: the show is coming back on the sixteenth of March, not the ninth. Right, right. We still get we still get mm-hmm. people tweeting constantly about that, and so March it is 16th. going to be the sixteenth. Mark it on your calendar, March sixteenth. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was the ninth because they even had it in the in the preview, yeah. but I guess they changed their mind, so it's definitely the sixteenth. Yeah, and, and I, that's so we can get like a straight run through as far as the rest of the season. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was and... the Becky, do you so want to like, like, yeah? Becky, do you uh, want to like sum up the whole 
thank you donation for Baby Boy Paddle? Yeah, the, the fundraiser, of course, we're still, you know, it's still going to go on until the baby's born and, you know, even after if people still want to keep donating because, you know, St. Jude is a very, very great cause, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So we'll, we'll keep, you know, accepting donations, and, you know, until we can't. Uh, right now, Supernatural fans have donated $25,524 for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital as their baby gift for Darren and Genevieve's new baby. And uh, we've had a gorgeous card made. We put pictures of it on Twitter and Facebook and on our website in the gallery um, that we are going to be giving to Jared at the Los Angeles Convention this coming weekend. And um, it has everybody who donated through our web through our fundraiser up until February 10th. Everybody who donated through February 10th, their name is in the card. And I, you know, Jared himself has tweeted about this um, a lot, so we know how much it means to them. And he just tweeted the tweeted the link to the DJ Qual yesterday, so mm-hmm. we know how much. That was good, and that was really sweet. <laughs> it was. So it was we know fun. We know that it means a lot to them, too. So we're, you know, Supernatural fans are the best. I mean, you can't beat them. You can't beat them. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear stories about when he gets the card and and everything. And there's a baby coming real soon because March 1st is is next week, next Thursday. So not too much longer now. (laughs) Yeah, we know the baby's due sometime early in March. So, yeah, it could be any time, I reckon. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, that, that we're going to the convention next weekend. So that should be, you know, we're looking forward to that. Hope, you know, we may try and get a few exclusives. We don't know if we'll be able to, but we're going to try. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward to all stories and adventures and pictures. Well, get. don't count on pictures. We don't have good seats. But <laughs> yeah, oh. we're gonna tweet. We're gonna tweet okay. it. We're gonna tweet a lot. We're gonna tweet a lot. But there will be but... tweeting. I promise. <laughs> okay, and we will... we need lots of well, you know, no pictures. We need lots of detailed descriptions. <laughs> and we we will we, we will try for pictures. <laughs> we will try for pictures. Can't guarantee them. I was general admission at, in Nashville, and you know, a few weeks ago, and my pictures just sucked. But I will, you know, I'll try my best to get pictures for LA. So yeah, her Zoom is good. It's not that good. Not um, that good. <laughs> but um, there will be tweeting. We promise. <laughs> so. so good. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I should say. I should say there will be tweeting as long as there's good Wi-Fi, in or the, as long as the three G works good in this hotel because. The old hotel in LA, no. Terrible three G, no tweeting. Mm-hmm. But let's see how the Burbank hotel works out. So Yeah. But sometimes, you know, we're glad to sacrifice like like quality pictures to get like instantaneous news. You know, right. it's just good to hear. It's like, you know, a little thing, yeah, it's, I don't care if it's blurry, but it's like it's like happening now. <laughs> That's the fun <laughs> part of it, you know. <laughs> it's like, okay, I I can deal with fuzziness. <laughs> I'm getting it right now. So, a lot of stuff coming up. 
Yeah, and I, I, I'm sure you saw Jim Michaels tweet the other day how he had just read episodes 21 and 22. I can't believe it that they're ready to be read. It's unbelievable how how quick the season's going. But, but he said he was laughing. I think he was just laughing, and he couldn't tell us why. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and we get 23 episodes this year, so yes. that's really cool. So right now he's reading 21 and 22, 22, which will be directed by Guy B. Yes. And hopefully so, we'll be able to talk to Guy B about it. We do get a, we do get another Guy B episode this season. That's always a good thing. And probably sounds like a big one. It is the penultimate episode of seventh season, so it's usually got something big going on. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Any other news or notes or anything we need to say? Um, Thanks again to Jim Michaels for popping in. Oh, I wanted to mention real quick, um, Divine the Series was nominated for 10 Indie Inner Tube Awards. Um, That's right. Yeah, so I want to give a big shout-out to Divine and congratulations. Um, Even um, Ben Hongsworth was nominated for Best Actor. Um, Alan Sawkins for Best Supporting Actor, Ivan Hayden for Best Directing in a Drama. They got Best Ensemble Cast in a Drama, Best Horror, Best Credit Sequence, Best Looking Show, Best Practical Makeup Effects, Best Set Design, Best Sound Design. I mean, Divine really rocked those. And, you know, congratulations. We'll keep our fingers crossed that they win because Divine is awesome. Indeed. And congratulations and well-deserved nominations and hopefully some wins. They really deserve them. Mm-hmm. Most, most hardworking people ever known. Oh. Hardest working crew in rock and roll, as they say. Oh, and so. if if you if you haven't seen it, we also had an ex- we also have an exclusive interview with Alexia Fast, who played Missy Bender in The Benders, and she was Dean's Amazonian daughter in The Slice Girls. Uh, we had a, a real short written exclusive interview with Alexia that you can find on the website if you haven't seen that yet. Very cool. All right, so we will catch up with everybody on the 17th of March. Yeah, um, and make sure you follow us during this upcoming weekend on Twitter for um, stuff from the convention. Yep, thanks. And thanks for listening. Thank you very much to all our listeners. And, uh, again, you can listen and download on blogtalkradio.com slash mediaboulevard, winchesterbuzz.com. Click on the Winchester Radio icon. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, Winchester Bros. And download us iTunes. Say we're everywhere. And thank you again, Jim Michael, very much for clearing up uh, the issue whether or not it was season three or season four and it was season three in the flashback and it's always good to talk to him and Mm -hmm. you guys had a great time fun podcast great episode and i guess that's it right good night everyone yep thank you good night bye bye 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.